Hey guys, Pastor Michael here. I just wanted to um, create a podcast. This is something I haven't done in a while, but uh, there's uh, every now and then I'll get a great question or something that comes along, and the the question warrants, I think, a lengthy, thoughtful response, and that maybe in some cases the question might be something that other people uh, are wondering about as well. And so instead of just answering the individual person that asked the question, it's an opportunity for me to... Um, answer it to multiple people so that everyone can hopefully be helped by the response. So I had a question um, about a sermon that I preached a couple weeks ago on Sabbath. In the in the sermon, I was talking about um, the idea of Sabbath and promoting that Christians consider the practice of Sabbath. That would be a 24-hour period every week when we cease and rest and embrace our values, go to church and worship and feast and enjoy friends and all that good stuff. Um, that we consider doing that as part of our regular weekly schedule. I mentioned quickly in the message that Christians are not required to observe Sabbath because we're free from the Old Testament law, but that we should still consider it good and worth integrating into our lives. So the question that I had, which is a great question, if the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments, which it is, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, God says is one of the Ten Commandments, aren't we then required to keep it? Isn't it actually required. Aren't we supposed to follow all of the Ten Commandments? Which I think is actually, it's a great question, and I think it's actually a, asking a bigger question, and that question is, are Christians required to keep all, or some, or none of the Old Testament law? So that's the question I'm going to answer sort of first, and then I'll get specifically into the question about Sabbath. So are Christians required to keep all, of the Old Testament law, or some of the Old Testament law, or none of the Old Testament law. First of all, we have to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about the Old Testament law. There are actually 613 commandments that can be drawn out of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. These are known as the law given by God through Moses, or sometimes known as the Mosaic law. The Ten Commandments are just 10 of 613 commandments of the law. So the question is, are Christians still required to keep the Old Testament law? Are we still required to keep 613 commandments? Or are we required at least to keep the Ten Commandments, maybe some others? Well, there's three views, three main views on that. The first uh, perspective, which I think doesn't, doesn't make sense in light of the New Testament, is that some people would say, yeah, we are required, Christians are required to keep the whole law, all 613 commandments, we are still required to keep. <clears throat> um, I don't want to put labels on groups because I'm not. Sh- I haven't done the research to know exactly what each of these groups believe. But I would say that some people who would be in like the Hebrew roots movement of Christianity or Messianic Judaism, uh, in some cases, uh, Seventh Day Adventists believe this to an extent. That there are certainly significant parts of the Old Testament law, if not the whole thing, that we are still required to keep. Uh, they would understand Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5 when he talked about um, fulfilling the law as meaning that Jesus fulfilled the law in the sense that he perfectly kept the law, and so should we. They would argue that the New Testament does not indicate that we're free to break the Old Testament laws. The problem with this view is that the apostles Paul and Peter did not interpret Jesus' words to mean that. Based on their writings and the book of Hebrews, they clearly believed that Jesus' followers are no longer obligated to keep the entire Mosaic law. 
And therefore, our interpretation of Jesus' words need to filter through the interpretation of those who knew Jesus and interpreted it as such. So, I would say very few Christians who have really understood um, theology well and understood the New Testament correctly would say we are required to keep the whole law. Now, there's a large number of Christians, I don't know, I can't put percentages on it, but certainly a popular, common, I don't know, maybe majority view would be that um, we should keep some of the Old Testament law. Many Christians say, so this would be the second camp, first camp, keep the whole law, second camp, keep some of the law. Many Christians would say that the Old Testament law can be sorted into different categories. Uh, Some have said three categories, civil laws, moral laws, and ceremonial laws. Others have simplified it to say ethical laws and ritual laws. In fact, there's a the VeggieTales guy, Phil Vischer, a number of years ago, put out a, a, a kid's program called What's in the Bible with Buck Denver. And I've had several of the DVDs. I thought they are really well done, actually. And they're teaching theology and teaching scripture to kids uh, using puppets. <laughs> um, but um, they talked about, as he did that series, he talked about how the Old Testament law can be divided into ethical laws and ritual laws. And... Um, what he was saying in that video is that the ethical laws, uh, things like thou shalt not kill, um, do not commit adultery, things that are morals, ethics, those are universal, timeless, they should continue to be practiced by everyone. And then the ritual laws, things like how to properly do the sacrifices and, and uh, uh, how to burn incense at the altar and how to properly boil a goat and all that kind of stuff. Um, that those are the ceremonial or ritual laws, and that those were specific to a time and place and don't have universal application for everyone for all time. And so that's sort of the main the main argument from this perspective. And so as this view relates to the Ten Commandments, they would say that at least nine of the Ten Commandments are still binding on Christians because they are moral or ethical laws that are timeless, that have universal application, that flow from the heart of God. Um the other commandment, the tent, the 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 one out of ten that they would say aren't necessarily isn't necessarily still binding is is the commandment about Sabbath. Uh, that would be up for debate because some would say that that's just a particular ritual law for the Jewish people. Others would argue that it uh, should continue to be observed because it is also an ethical law along with the other nine. So there's some room for debate in that camp. But then the third view, and this is, this is the, the view to which I subscribe, is that we are no longer under the Old Testament law, period. Meaning we are completely free from obedience to the Old Testament law, including the Ten Commandments. This is sometimes called New Covenant Theology. And the essential idea here is that when the new covenant in Jesus began, it completely replaced the old covenant, completely supplanted it, surpassed it. Since there's a new one, the old one is no longer applicable. The new covenant, let's look at some scripture. The new covenant was promised way back in Jeremiah chapter 31. And it says this, verse 31 of chapter 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. That's referring to the Old Covenant, the Old Testament law, starting at the Mount Sinai with Moses when he brought the Ten Commandments down, and then from there on, 603 other commandments were added. Um, 
That's the old covenant that uh, came through Moses. Uh, this, the new covenant will not be like that one, it says in Jeremiah 31. They broke that covenant, keep, as I keep reading, they, though I loved them as a husband loved his wife, says the Lord. Verse 33, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. And then he continues, I will forgive their wickedness and will never again remember their sins. So this is a law, this is a new covenant that is going to be inscribed on people's hearts as opposed to inscribed on tablets of stone. So that was prophesied that a new covenant was coming. When we celebrate the the Lord's Supper in our church every month, communion, we refer to the words of Jesus when he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus' death and resurrection would bring about the long-promised new covenant from God. He fulfilled that. He brought it. He, he, he inaugurated the new covenant. The new covenant was promised in Jeremiah and realized in Christ. So as a result of this new covenant, the New Testament Christians began to understand that they had now become free from obedience to the 613 commands of the Old Testament law. This became particularly clear as the Apostle Paul began sharing the gospel around the world outside of Israel to non-Jews. These people were interested in following Jesus of Nazareth, but they weren't interested in becoming Jewish. And thus we see in Paul's letters, a lot of them which were written to these Gentile believers, a clarification that, no, in fact, we are not obligated any longer to keep the commands of the Old Covenant. We are not under the law anymore. Let's look at some of those places. Romans chapter 6, sorry, Romans chapter 7, verse 6. But now, Paul writes, we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. He's, He's drawing sort of pictures back to that Jeremiah 31 New Covenant promise, where it's not about the letter of the law anymore. It's not about the, the, the stone tablets. It's about the, the law that's written on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians 3, 23 to 25, another spot. The whole book of Galatians largely is about this idea of, of, uh, of release from uh, legalism, you know, being um, uh, obligated to follow the law. So Galatians 3, 23 says this, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Paul clearly states in another letter that the new covenant replaces the old covenant. Uh, he uses that terminology. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 to 11. He has enabled us, this is Jesus, to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, 
how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? He doesn't say that the Old Testament law here was bad, necessarily. He's saying it was glorious. It was good. It was, it was, it's God's word. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Um, just as Jesus says, you know, he didn't come, Jesus said in, in Matthew uh, 5, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In other words, to say, I'm not going to, we don't need to throw it out. It's good. It's valuable. Um, there's truth in it. Um, uh, so Paul's stating that here in 2 Corinthians. It's it, it's good. It was glorious. Um, but the more glorious thing has come. And so he continues, in fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, and here it is, which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? He's saying the new covenant in Jesus replaces the old covenant, which contains the law. It's perhaps nowhere nowhere more clear uh, than in the book of Hebrews. We don't know who the author of Hebrews was, but the he- book of Hebrews is another book that's all about how Jesus is so much better. Um, and in the book of Hebrews, it's clear that the old covenant with its 613 commandments, including the 10, is no longer binding for the Christian. Hebrews 8.13 this is probably the clearest verse in the whole Bible to state what, what I'm trying to say. It says this, When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. It's expired. The expiry date has run out. It's, it's, it's obsolete now. It's like when you upgrade uh, your phone... Uh, you go from uh, when you go from the uh, the old touch tone uh, attached to the wall phone, and now you've got the latest iPhone. Y- you don't need the old touch tone anymore. You've got the new one. The old one was good; it did its purpose. It was great. You made a lot of phone calls on it. Hallelujah! But you've got the new one now, and boy, it's so much better. Okay, Hebrews ten verse one also says this: the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow. A dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. It's The Old Testament law pointed us towards Jesus. It, it was good. It pointed us in the direction of Jesus, uh, but it was only like a dim preview. If we think of the Old Testament law like a flashlight, hey, that's good. A flashlight's helpful. But the new covenant through Jesus is the sunrise. Right? The flashlight is good. It gives us some light, but it's a dim preview of the sunshine. It's giving us a glimpse of daylight, but now the real deal has come. We don't need the flashlight anymore. So the question remains, then, what commands are Christians supposed to follow? If we don't have, we're not required to follow the Ten Commandments or the Old Testament law in, as a whole anymore, what are we supposed to follow? Are we without a law? Some have said yes. They're called antinomians. Antinomos would be no law in the Greek. And antinomians would say, live however you want. We're under grace. You don't need to. You don't need to follow any law. Just uh, do whatever you want, and God's grace covers you. Big fat no to that way of thinking. The Bible makes it very clear that uh, that just because we have the grace of God and we're not required to follow the Old Testament law anymore, that we should. We are not free to go and and sin and do whatever we want. In fact, the Book of Jude was written to counteract arguments of antinomians that were teaching these sorts of things way back in the first century. Uh, so no, no way, we can't do that. Uh, Romans 6.14 uh, 
is a good place to look at. It says, we are not under the law, but under grace. So that's, amen, that's what I'm, I'm talking about in this podcast. We're not under law anymore, we're under grace. But then the very next verse of Romans chapter 6, verse 15, says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. So there is still sin, there is still right and wrong, there is still a law of God. But we have a new law. Paul calls it the law of Christ. The law of Christ. Look at a couple places where he references the law of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9, for example, verses 20 to 21. Paul's talking about how, as a missionary, as he's trying to reach Jewish people, he he does things that are Jewish. And when he's trying to reach non-Jewish people, Gentiles, he does things that are non-Jewish in order to... um, uh, in order to help them come to know Christ. So he's saying, I'm flexible. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I do what needs to be done to reach the lost. And this is what he says, verse 20. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. The law's not bad. Again, the law's not bad. It's good. There's good principles in the law. Um, and he's saying, you know, at times, uh, maybe I'm with Jewish, trying to reach Jewish people for Jesus. I'm going to obey some of the laws. I'm going to follow the dietary restrictions. I'm going to observe the Sabbath. I'm going to do all those sorts of things um, in order to respect them, in order to reach them and help them see who Jesus is. Uh, But he says, even though I am not subject to the law, I'm not subject to the law. I don't have to do that. I'm not required to follow the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law, meaning the Jewish people who who were still practicing the law at that time. Then he says in verse 21, 1 Corinthians 9, When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. And then he adds this. He says, But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. He's saying, I'm not living as if there's no law. I'm not living as if I can do whatever I want. I do obey the law of God. Jesus is God. I obey what he said, the law of Christ. In Galatians 6.2, Paul also says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So there is a law for Christians, the law of Jesus. So what makes up the law of Christ? It's everything Jesus commanded. It's everything Jesus taught. It's the way that Jesus lived. It's the teachings of the kingdom of God. It's the ethical teachings of Jesus. It's the way of of Jesus, the way of the kingdom. That is the law of Christ. It's the way of love. Um, In the Great Commission, Jesus said to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. That is the law of Christ. We are to obey everything he commanded. Not the Old Testament law, but the things that he commanded us to follow. That is the law of Christ. We find the ethical teachings of Jesus in the four Gospels. Uh, you might call them the red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, that's the teachings of Jesus that are, they're the words that are in red are the things that Jesus said. Uh, the best place to go to understand the law of Christ is the Sermon on the Mount. This is his magnum opus, three chapters in the book of Matthew. A great place to start. For the Christian today, we would also include the instructions, commands, ethics given in the rest of the New Testament as part of the law of Christ now as well, as these things are the writings of the apostles who are interpreting Christ's life and teachings to believers. So, what is the law of Christ fundamentally? It's love. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 
that all the law and prophets hang on the two commandments to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. In Galatians 5.14, Paul echoes that. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the interesting thing as we come back to the question of are we required to obey the Old Testament law, namely the Ten Commandments? The law of Christ contains, interestingly, the the teachings of Jesus contain some of the Old Testament laws repeated. For example, nine of the Ten Commandments are retaught by Jesus. He restates them, and he reiterates them, but he even ta- he takes them to a new level. He, he, he reinterprets them to get at the heart of them. He gets at the heart. See, Jesus gets at the heart of the Old Testament law. He says stuff like, you've heard it said, you know, don't commit adultery. Well, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, but I say to you, don't even look lustfully at a woman to whom you're not married. Because if you've done that, you've even committed adultery already in your heart. So Jesus doesn't say, you're free to not, you know, you're free to commit adultery because you don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. No, he says, adultery, for example, one of the Ten Commandments, yeah, you have to continue to uh, not commit adultery. But he even, he says, but the real point of that is to not lust after people to whom you're not in a married relationship with. Um, Sexual sin in general. And so, he gets at the heart of law. He gets at the heart of love, at the heart of law, which is love, right? It's about loving relationships with one another. So Jesus re- repeats, restates, reinterprets nine of the Ten Commandments, but he doesn't restate, repeat, reiterate the commandment about Sabbath. It's not included. So the question, are Christians required to obey the Ten Commandments then? Well, the answer is yes to nine of the ten, but not because we are required to keep the Ten Commandments. It's yes, because Jesus told us to, and because we are now under his law, the law of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So, Jesus restated nine of the ten. That means nine of the Ten Commandments are part of the law of Christ. We are required to obey that. He did not restate the commandment for us to observe the Sabbath. Therefore, it's not part of the law of Christ, it's, and therefore we are not required to obey it. The Apostle Paul uh, also addressed this, the Sabbath question specifically. He was talking about um, all sorts of Jewish laws, food and drink laws, dietary laws, um, other laws regarding the Jewish calendar. This is what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. He says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Keeping in mind there, he's talking about all sorts of holidays, but when he says Sabbaths, front and center is the weekly Jewish Sabbath, the Saturday, Saturday Sabbath. Then he says in verse 17, For these rules, these rules, are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Again, the idea, those those Old Testament laws, those rules that the Jews were required to follow, they were the flashlight, and Jesus is the sunrise.
So it's pretty clear the Old Testament laws were part of the Old Covenant. The New Covenant in Christ has come. We are no longer required to keep any in, in my reading of this. I think it's pretty clear to me, but some people disagree. But we're no longer required to keep any of the laws of the Old Covenant as it has been entirely surpassed with the New. But the New, which includes the law of Christ, does incorporate some of the Old Testament laws. So in that sense, we do need to keep parts of the Old Testament law, but only the ones that Jesus told us to keep. Keeping Sabbath is not one of the laws in the Old Testament that has been repeated, reiterated in the New. So we are not required to keep the Sabbath. Now that is a 20-minute answer (laughs) to a very short question. Thank you for sticking with me. Now, all of that to say, as I said in my sermon about Sabbath, Sabbath is still good. It's a beautiful good thing, rooted in creation when God rested on the seventh day. And it's worth integrating into your life. Jesus practiced Sabbath. He spoke favorably of Sabbath. He helped his listeners understand the true meaning of it. And I think Christians are free to practice the Sabbath as much as they're free not to practice the Sabbath if they don't want to. It's a, it's a gift that is being offered to us. It's not a, a commandment that we are required to obey. So I hope that's helpful. I hope that answers that question. If anyone else is wondering about that question, about the Old Testament law and what parts are we supposed to keep and what parts aren't we supposed to keep anymore, I I hope that that makes it clear. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and maybe this was helpful. God bless you all, and I hope that to to see you around at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Truro if you're local here or to to check us out online at emmanueltruro.org.